Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vegan Carne Alliance. Today, I, Cole Moss, am sitting here with an excellent builder of things. So we're going to talk to Derek Kissner. Uh, he goes by Ink and Wood. He works under the name in Los Angeles, and he is a, a man of many talents. How are you, Derek? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You had some coffee. You told me you were maybe shaking. I actually don't think it's the coffee. I think it's because you're excited I'm to be nervous. on this podcast. I'm nervous. <laughs> It's uh, your handsome face. Derek has nothing to be nervous about. Today is going to, we're not going to bite. I don't think the dogs are downstairs. Mm. They may coo from below the floorboards, but until then, it's just us. Um, Derek, for those who do not know, um, he makes beautiful furniture. That's one of the most of the things that you buy out of Ink and Wood. If you look him up, we're going to give all of his things um, later. But for now, I just want to talk about him. So, in my understanding of Derek, he was a tattoo artist. He has been a hair model. He uh, is a furniture designer, a restaurant designer. He is a rock climber, and um, he is recently a new father. Congratulations, Derek. Thank you. So um, he, uh, in our conversations, he has told me that he thinks he has father brain. So I if do. he doesn't remember things, he automatically gets a free pass. No one is allowed to judge him. And uh, if I fall asleep during the podcast, also okay. Yes. Yeah, no, it's fine. We'll, uh, we'll let you nap. Thank you. We'll play some lullabies. I'll sing to you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the spaces that you've done. So when I looked this up, mm-hmm. um, let's see, you did a vegan staple, Baby Cakes NYC, which is now Aaron McKenna Bakery. You did that in New York City. You did the Zune LA space. You've done the Belmont. The you've worked with Hotelier Sean McPherson, the Kempton Goodland, the Hyde and Katsuya, and uh, over. 100 other bars and restaurants you've helped with the build out of. Yeah. Did I lie there? Was that true? No, that's true. That's true. Okay. It's 20 years in LA. 20. Okay. 20 years in LA. Right on. Um, Derek has been featured in the New York Times, the LA Times, Eater, Dwell, Sunset Magazine, and any other place that uses words and talks about spaces in a beautiful way. Um, Correct. Am I missing anything, Derek? No. Should people know more about you? They definitely should, of course. <laughs> we need to work on that marketing tactic. Okay, good. Well, I think it looks like you've uh, it looks like you've done some things, and I'm excited to talk about those. So, uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you was about you and your sort of understanding of spaces. Hmm. Did you grow up in a beautiful place? In a beautiful place. Yeah. I mean, was was your house beautiful? Were you around beautiful things? Did you know? I think it was more classic. Like we grew up, it was Wisconsin. Uh-huh farmhouse okay really it was a two-story farmhouse uh-huh. we moved a lot mm-hmm. so i moved 56 times before i was 18 that so a lot of times a lot yeah beautiful sure experience yes a lot of experience and moving around and seeing different things that was maybe a bigger part of it well yeah was, you maybe got an education in spaces yeah uh, so that's in a- diversity yeah you're right um what was just maybe do you have you said in Wisconsin did you have a favorite yeah. space is there a spot that you like think of I think we only had one I had a three-year stint where we had a home and that was the only thing I think of as a home having had a home uh-huh. which was the farmhouse and like it was one of those classic Wisconsin two stories hmm. where the walls three of the rooms were clad in wood huh. it was that classic midwestern uh-huh. feel almost cabin-esque did you know i mean so in the jobs that you've done you've done a fair amount of things you've done some really interesting things did you you it seems like a lot of your jobs were built around your hands yeah oh Um, that's a there's a better answer to your original question then what's that was i grew up in a household where everything was crafts oh really we had kilns and we did ceramics in the basement and we yeah 
Were you doing these things with them? Yeah. Oh, okay. My mom did stained glass and we had three big kilns in the basement. We made our own slip molds and poured our own, you know, ceramics and things like that. And my aunt was a ceramicist and what? yeah. So oh. everything was craft in the house. Like our whole house was working with our hands all the time. Uh, we used I, to go dig our own mud, in I, fact, to do clay. Oh, what? Yeah. At Lake Michigan, because that's where a lot of the best clay comes from. Yeah. Did, uh, would your mother keep her spot secret? A lot of people yes. don't tell people. Yeah, there yes. go. Uh-huh. 100%. That's yeah. beautiful. Okay. That's very interesting. So I've always had this theory that everyone thinks they choose their career or their job. And if you're lucky enough to have the opportunity to, um, I think that's great. But I think usually the places where we end up often come from things that maybe we had no choice in. It sounds like you 100%. lived a life around craft where you came to appreciate and acknowledge craft. And now craft is your craft. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And it, because of you, yours and my relationship, I'll tell you like one of the things I found out when my, one of my grandmothers passed away, my last name, uh-huh. I did some, I did the furthest research I could into the last name. And the uh-huh. last name is a literal translation as a cabinet woodworking person, like That's a woodworker Kistner cabinet means. maker. Uh-huh. Yes. So it's K I S T N E R yeah. for people at home. And it's from a little German town where the whole town were Kistners and they only did woodworking. Oh what? And so it was kind of like you fight your destiny. You fulfilled like, it. I don't, uh-huh. don't pigeonhole me to this name. Sure. And then all of a sudden you find out that's what your name literally means that you're, and then I had already picked the company name Ink and Wood. And so I'm like, this is perfect. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Gosh, right. Yeah. You Life feel, is, I'm a woodworker. Yeah, perfect. I've, I read about you in a book somewhere. Yeah. You had the, you have been foretold. <laughs> Uh, well, that's fantastic. So you were around, I mean, it sounds like you almost didn't have like things made mass manufactured. Almost everything in your life was yeah, like artisanal. Okay. All right. That's it. We would get lost in my aunt's basement. Like we, you would get lost in the shelving of ceramics and glazes, like hundreds on hundreds of glazing techniques. Like you'd get lost in her basement of rocks and samples and it was insane so you've ended up working with wood but were you almost a ceramicist yeah we've i'm even thinking of doing it now really yeah like on a wheel or pinch or what do you want to do yeah oh you'd be great with that derek's got shoulders for people who (laughs) when you see the photo of him he's got the shoulders for this you gotta uh, strong that'd be great yeah okay interesting in my downtime because i never take downtime Uh uh-huh Come home from work and just sit there and wheel, <laughs> right. looking at watching TV, like it's turning cups idea. and bowls. Well, the beautiful thing about like yeah, throwing things on the wheels, you can always be like, oh, sorry, hon, I can't help. My hands are dirty, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I can use the baby's hands for like different textures. I like that. Yeah. That's great. Uh, <laughs> so I guess one of the things I wanted to ask is, yeah. do you do you remember, I mean, did, did you all, you making bars and restaurants, do you remember going out to eat? Do you remember going to spaces that you loved? you thought of fondly do you still think of any places at home no because was home isn't really home to me i'll tell you that because i left when i was 17 Uh so that's far gone Uh and everything was very cookie cutter like we did mcdonald's and taco bell growing up that was it yeah that was all it was my mom was fast food feeder well i mean you're getting a job done you're fed i would say there's like there was a really old there was a i shouldn't say really old but like a big group of the older classic restaurants in Wisconsin and Milwaukee in particular are German. Uh-huh. So there was like that classic German uh-huh. schnitzel place that uh-huh. was like all stone in a giant hearth fireplace like where like why we're eating sky. sausage. Uh-huh. Right. It was that. Uh-huh. And the doorway is six foot tall. You know, like why were they short? <laughs> right. 
Yeah. But it was, that was like the most classic thing I could think of. Uh-huh. And then like really heavy architecture in Wisconsin. That was another thing. What do you mean by really heavy architecture? Uh, Cream City brick, like everything there is made out of brick and big, oh, okay. massive, you know, the buildings take up city blocks. They don't just take up small footprints. Uh-huh. It's much like Manhattan. Because you're staying inside more often than yeah. you are outside, right? Okay. And you got to stay warm and yeah. Um, so that was like a heavy hand, I think, in, up in my growing up. So so you were in all these spaces. Were you helping your mother make pottery? I mean, were yep. you were you actually like on the ground, always sort of involved? Yep. Did you, she was doing pottery. Were you doing woodworking at a young age also? No. How did that come into your life? Uh, I think I moved back from college and I got a, I was doing a bunch of different jobs because I was just bouncing around after college, not wanting to do what I did to go to college, uh-huh. yeah. which is what you do. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I just, I was doing furniture delivery for a franchise furniture company that was really, their design spectrum was really broad. Mm-hmm. And I started coming in as like a designer for them mm-hmm. on the side and then moving furniture and got a offer to do like reupholster, uh, to reupholster. I can't talk. So mm-hmm. we should edit that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, to basically be an upholsterer's assistant uh-huh. and learn how to formally make furniture. That right. was the trick. So when you said... They offered that to me. They were making such a wide you know, array of products. You said yeah. that you started out making things. What do you, like, what do you think that was the first thing you made? Oh, like where do you start? What's easy? system for my house. Oh, okay. All like right. The steel pipe wood slat thing Ooh. from Home Depot. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. Thinking though. that was creative yeah, at 19. But you got to start somewhere. And yeah. I think you, I mean, you have to, I think there, I mean, I bet if you actually use those materials now, you would make something beautiful. Don't you think? <laughs> no. You don't think so? Okay, <laughs> I wouldn't well, use right. those That's materials true. at all. Well, so uh, this is, I mean. That's the trick. He, as you've sort of done this, you've yeah. done it for a while. I guess you... I think what's interesting is you now make furniture that's very simple. Um, And I mean that as a compliment. I'd say it's reduction through what I would assume is sort of not necessity, but like hope. I feel like everything that you do, it's sort of like you get like the the finest of something and sort of simplify it down to that. It's like these rounded edges, these nice turned corners. They sort of feel like it's like the when you think of like kids geometric sort of like circle square mm-hmm. triangle a lot of your things function within that when you started out did you start in a similar arena no everything was more complicated uh-huh. i mean that's this i think that's what you strive for as a designer is for simplicity Do you you think over time you came of course, to feel that yeah. way you can't i don't think you can come out of the gates with knowledge of simplicity and how you find it uh-huh. and purity in form and simple spaces and not overcomplicating things so uh-huh. it's over all the years of refining all the different things I've made, you get to a place where you feel most comfortable. I mean, I'm still refining my, my furniture line. You, you came out of sort of like an arts and crafts practice though, yeah. right? Wouldn't most of those things, did your mother make ornate things? Yeah. They were. She used to reproduce, uh, uh, church, uh, like broken church stained glass. So she would be the one who fixed those mm-hmm. giant right. stained glass pieces. Mm-hmm. So do you feel, does, does any part of what you do feel like I, uh, a response to what you grew up around or not? I don't know. I, I feel like resistance is the yeah. wrong word, but like, it, are you doing simple things because you started out in a complicated process, a complex sort well, of that's arena? like a whole life discussion right there, right? Sure. I mean, the truth is like every, we all, we overcomplicate everything. Sure. That's human nature. We try to, we almost look for 
complication in things uh-huh. because we're, we almost refuse to be simple and acknowledge that things are meant to be easy and not difficult. Uh-huh. And that's part of my thing that I've found over all the years is like, I just don't fight the struggle anymore. I don't look for struggle. I don't look for difficulty in things. Uh-huh. And that's in life. That's like a whole thing. That's from rock climbing to right. design. So the Steve Jobs famously owned a home for like t- like 10, 15, 20 years without buying a dinner table because he could never find one he liked. Like if you go online, you could find a photo of his living room yeah. and it's him sitting on the floor underneath like a like a stained glass um, lamp, like a tall lamp. And then um, it's him on the ground with his record player. And I, there may be a rug underneath him and that's it in the whole of this big room. And he... So are he you, was like fond of light and texture. Well, he but not he would refuse to surface. buy things unless he thought they were perfect. Right. And are you in a similar place? I 100%. mean, hundred percent. Do <laughs> I won't it, even do a job if I don't see it through in my mind first? Ah, uh, interesting. So, yeah. so let's talk about seeing it through in your mind. So, if if a if someone comes to you, let's say I am going to start a new restaurant or mm-hmm. a new bar, and I want to uh, hire you for your services, uh, where do we start? What's the first thing other than me saying, I have money. Um, what, what else is important? What, what do you look for? Money is the impetus for me, by the way. <laughs> right. That's, That's good. Me. That's very sweet of you. Um, it, wh- wh- where do you like to start? Do you like, do you tell, do you have a few questions you always ask everyone? No, I would admit that I read into a lot of people's energy and what they bring to the table. Okay. And then I go from that knowledge. I try to feel into what they're bringing and work the conversation through what they're comfortable with and what I feel they're comfortable going into. So I try to like pull out of them what their desire is and what their purpose is and where they're going and what their, what the impetus for their vision was or that, that burger or that whatever their thing is that they're trying to take into a restaurant Uh format, bar, whatever what was the initial start of that? I try to get into their, like their child a little bit. Sure. To bring out, to not make things for them more overcomplicated because like designing a bar and restaurant Uh where we just stay restaurants Uh is very complicated. And that's why you find somebody that like to help you design or build it. So it's not complicated for you. You can just hand over that vision to someone. So can you give an example of maybe one of your most recent ones that you've done? Was there one where you sort of felt you felt like you and that person had a good relationship or energy. And from that, you sort of, they told you what they wanted out of a space. Could you give an example of what someone wanted out of a space and how you started to try to find yeah. the visual language for that? How you started to find out what to build or where to place things sure. or how to set up the space so that it flows in a particular yeah, way? Yeah, there was a, there's a restaurant in Santa Monica I just did at last year, uh, Gramercy. Uh-huh. And... I had been working with a team of guys who own several bars and restaurants and brew pubs mm-hmm. in that area and all through Hollywood. Uh-huh. And they, we talked for a couple of years about finding a new space. They wanted to new, just do another bar. Uh-huh. We found this space. It's kind of in an area of Santa Monica that's very classic uh-huh. LA, like that older mm-hmm. untouched Santa Monica right. area. Uh-huh. And so the neighborhood has, it's filled with pine trees. Like they're just across the street. There's a giant park that's all green. People still do. Oh, uh, so like the north side of Santa Monica. Uh Lawn bowling. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like the neighborhood itself fed directly to the space, in my opinion. And what Uh was failing in the space, because it was a taqueria, it was like, didn't 
there was nobody going to this space because they tried to make it into a bar and then a like a place for parties and mm-hmm. after parties. So it wasn't working. These guys took it over and I tried to find that formality in what they were wanting because they just wanted another bar. Mm-hmm. But it was a neighborhood bar. So the only way it was going to work, in my opinion, was to fit it into the neighborhood mm-hmm. initially, mm-hmm. attract the neighborhood, mm-hmm. the comfort mm-hmm. of the neighborhood so that they are accepted and then bring their distant cousins in like bring all the party people from the beach bring the parties out let it start off like comfortably then like let's just build to pull down the party people when you say comfortably do you actually mean the physical space are you talking about like we're gonna put in more booths like is that what you mean by comfortable yeah like part of the design for the menu i just or their branding Uh was i I had a couple versions where I actually brought in like uh, an upshot of looking through pine trees into the sun. So mm. it was like the needle aspect that like mm. I was trying to draw in the harmony of the neighborhood. So it's like I like designing spaces that you walk in and you're like, why does this feel comfortable? Mm-hmm. And it's because of maybe let's say you live in the neighborhood, you walk, go into the bar, you're like, why does this place feel like I'm still in the neighborhood and mm-hmm. not I didn't step out of my which comfort is, zone, which is a hard thing to do. Yeah. And so they, let's just say they, they shit can that real fast. Uh They just want to be party people. (laughs) Okay. And so my designs went to the side and then I went a little more, you know, uh, bar centric. Okay. But still I kept it in my comfort zone. So what does bar centric mean? And they trusted me. What what does bar bar centric mean to you? I wanted to make it more neighborhood bar. Uh Like think after, after work couple guys go get a burger. They uh-huh. watch the game. Uh-huh. But these guys wanted to bring in the Venice crowd. Okay. So it was, um, I was like, I want to keep, I want to keep it comfortable. Yeah. How do you mitigate homey, that space? Uh-huh. Right. But also it, like when they turn the lights down, uh-huh. they can have the party. Uh-huh. So whenever these, they sort of have an idea about where this thing is going or how it's going to be built. Um, as you're starting to fill out the space, they have ideas. You're trying to find that middle ground to please them and please yourself. You know, you have to enjoy the thing yourself as you're building it. Yeah. What else do you like? You had told me previously that, for example, something that really helps you is a menu. Yeah. Why does a menu help you? It's a, It gives you immediate direction and design purpose. Okay. Like deli- design philosophy is based around like what, what do you go there for? If you're going there for drinks uh-huh. or are you going there for food? If you're going for both... Uh-huh. What's the food? Uh-huh. And if it's just a bar, all bars have burgers and fries. Well, can I ask a difference? So say yeah. say I was a burger place yeah. or say I was thinking about making a pizza place. Yeah. How would you build those place different places differently? Well, oh, man, my gut goes like if it was pizza, uh-huh. I'd go immediately like, why are you making pizza? Because pizza to me uh-huh. is family. OK, like that's a family trade. It's uh-huh. it's all the way back to Italy. Right. It's like a. I think of passed down generations of dough recipes when I think of pizza. Sure. So I'm like, if you're going pizza, I immediately would design a restaurant around their family story. Forget uh-huh. the pizza uh-huh. because the pizza follows the story. Uh-huh. So you, if you create that dialogue and you create that story uh-huh. and you show people that whole thing, they're just going to love the pizza anyway. Uh-huh. Same with the bar. You know, if you go into a space or a restaurant and uh-huh. it's, you know, and it feels good and you don't know why, uh-huh you're going to enjoy the experience more. Uh-huh. You're just going to enjoy the experience uh, of the food and the drinks and everything. If it's a little more befitting your so, lifestyle. So what are subtle things that places might do to make people more comfortable? 
because I, I have things that make me more comfortable in restaurants and I thought like a lot what? about this. Well, so for example, Help me. my father is, um, my father will, if we go to a restaurant and there's a wait, he will wait an extra 15, maybe even 20 minutes if it means we get to sit in a booth. Yeah. He, he likes to be out of the way, like off to the side. It's really important to him. It doesn't matter if we have like, even if there's a, say there's plenty of sort of corridors moving through where for waiters to walk by and they're bumping into you. Nobody's hitting no. your chair. He still, he doesn't care. It's, it's like an important facet to him. Um, there are things that he I've wants noticed. To dine comfortably. Well, he does. And what's interesting is there are things where, um, I, I have this sort of pet theory and I kind of, when I go to restaurants that are new for me or say Alex and I go and we sit at the bar, all there's something I always check for and I've become more aware of it as I've, you know, dated and been with Alex um, is I look under the bar every time to see if there's a hook for her bag. <laughs> You've been trained. Uh, well, I think it's a, I, I think if I'm going to be cordial, a gentleman, right? If I'm opening the door, that's one more thing for me to do. It's, it's one more thing that I can do that sure. helps me make her life easier. And every and, woman tells me when you design a bar right it needs hooks well so here's the deal That's the thing. this is my pet theory and to be honest i actually think it's held true i feel like 80 at least 85 percent 90 percent of the time if a restaurant is owned by a woman or has like a woman head chef there are hooks under the bars hmm. uh, that that's true. not all the true but that's not always true but that is a minor bit of like comfort that can be afforded that some places don't think about what other things are people not thinking about You go deep with these questions, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to take me down the rabbit hole. Oh, man. I might have to think on that one for a minute. That's, that's okay. Well, like, I, um, get like, back to it. How, like how much, how much does table size actually matter? Like how much? Well, how, that, so, so in that theory, uh-huh. that could be booths. It could be the uh-huh. size of the ass on the stool. It could totally. be everything. Well, which the has changed, right? Bar. Yeah, right. So what are they doing? Are they mix doing mixology at the bar? Because then they need a deeper rail. Okay. So the customer is not a, right up. What's a deeper rail mean? That the, means it keeps the, them back. The overpour rail. The, okay. They're mixing drinks on. Oh yeah. Is usually about three inches. Okay. So if you're doing a nice martini bar, uh-huh. they need it like a six or eight inch because they need to be pouring okay. all that alcohol. Uh-huh. Same thing. What's your menu? If your menu is like small foods, uh-huh. you can have a small table with a small booth because it's, you're not meant to sit and linger. Uh-huh. You're meant to eat and go. Uh-huh. But if you're going for the experience, like a sports bar, for example, uh-huh. this place that I just did, people are sitting for an entire game and they're eating tons of small foods right. or big bites, uh-huh. right? And they're having multiple drinks. Uh-huh. So you need a big table uh-huh. or a bigger booth so that they can lounge more so that they can like, you know, sit into that whole time they're there a little bit more uh-huh. and then of course like who's clearing stuff from the table so they're obviously they're stacking drinks well for sure and as as they're like uh if you go to a sports bar right the obvious intention is you want people to sit for a long time because they're watching sports do you think most restaurants are aware of the things that they no. do to customers Mm-mm. so it, like yeah you walk in uh, you'll go to places and sometimes they'll have the music really loud which i do think is intentional or the lights low or they'll um the, they'll have smaller spaces or maybe the chairs are even less comfortable. They won't have cushions on them. I think all that, though, all that falls into budget. Okay. All that falls into budget because I I can't tell you the amount of places I've built that have started off uh-huh. in the beginning that say, like, we're going to do a restaurant. We're not going to have any music playing. Uh-huh. We're not going to do this. We're uh-huh. not going to do, you know, we don't need them to sit in it. We don't need comfort. Uh-huh. We just need them to turn and burn. Okay. And you end up ordering and designing and putting the mood boards and doing all this stuff to get you to the end goal. Uh-huh. 
you get two thirds of the way there and then they go, you know what? We, we need a really good sound system for this place. Uh-huh. And you go, what, where's that in the budget? Uh-huh. Where do we need this Bose system that costs $7,000 now? Oh, and you want a DJ? So you need a DJ booth in the corner. <laughs> you want a DJ. Oh, yeah. And then Sunday uh-huh. nights we're going to do karaoke. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Okay. We are going to do an Italian restaurant just now. <laughs> I mean, that Italian was... restaurants with karaoke and DJs. This makes sense. I've been to a hundred of them like that. That's, that's <laughs> what's happening. Uh, that's the new trend because people have short term. Uh-huh. They want to play Jenga at the same table, by the way. Okay. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. But. That being said, right, like that kind of feeds into that that story. Okay, so when we come back, we are going to take a real quick break and we are going to talk to Derek about what it means to be malleable as someone who wants to make a space and work with someone to build these spaces out. So we will be back shortly. This episode is brought to you by the Lion King. That's, that's the best one. Vegan... A okay, one more time. Can you do it just by yourself, though? Oh, okay. Okay. Vegan Carne Alliance. And we're back. So, Derek, whenever you're working with these clients, um, wh- you, you've met them. You feel like there's a good energy. The, you, you two are getting along, or you feel like you're going to get along, but you get into a space. What are, like, the, the wrenches? What really messes up? A space. Where, where do you think it can go really wrong for people? Uh, when <laughs> owners and and the money get in the way. Okay. It's kind of a, if you're just, in my opinion, uh-huh. if you're hiring mm-hmm. a series of people to design and build out your space, uh-huh. and that formal language gets laid out in a contract, don't uh-huh. get in the way of the process. Uh-huh. Don't try to change or spend. on a a chair as opposed to the $200 that was suggested to you. Like (laughs) trust the design process of the person that you're hiring. That's Uh a really big hurdle for a lot of people, I would say. So that's where a lot of people get tripped up. Do so in my life outside of, and people always want more than what they ask for. Well, that's always true. Um, so whenever I, I work as a designer outside of vegan carne Alliance and in doing that, a lot of times when I'm working with clients, something that really helps me and that I often do to try to keep their cost to a minimum, as I say, well, (laughs) contracts are great, but I, I usually also try to be really upfront. And I say, if you can show me things that you want, things that you know that you need. And if you can know the difference between needing and wanting, that helps me understand what sort of make or break for you. Sure. Do you find that that happens a lot in restaurants? I mean, do you 100%. like it whenever people, do you like it whenever people rip something out of a magazine and show it to you and go, this is what I want to do. Do you 100%. like that? Yeah. It helps you. Yeah. So it's the same as me. Okay. Because I, in the end, we're never going to build out what they have. Every space is so different, right? Or every, well, you it's know. like, you can't, you can't get in. I can't get into your mind and see the vision you see. Right. I can't, I well, can only. People are often poor at describing things. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not their detriment. It's like, if it's the first time they've done a restaurant, often they're not going to have the language to describe how they build a restaurant. Yeah. How often do you feel like you're sort of the liaison or translator? Every time. Do you, um, I think that's the, that's what I do though. That's uh-huh. what, that's what we're meant to do as designer. Not everybody's like this. Mm-hmm. I take a lot more time and probably put too, like more energy than most into that part of the design. Really? Wait, what do you mean lot, by that? More time? Uh, you mean in, time in to speaking understand. within? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning rather than in the middle. Well, even through the process, uh-huh. the whole process, because the whole process is like 
you're starting out, let's just say a demolition. Mm -hmm. They don't know yet what that vision is. The second you start implementing parts of the formal design, you start building the wall. You start adding the booth, the frame of the step. People start seeing it and they always are like, what is that? What's the... What's happening because well, they like, can't see the final. Right. Oh, so no. you're the one I'm uh-huh. the one facilitating the whole time. I'm hand holding them through the build, through uh-huh. to the, the design process. But not only for for the uh, construction aspect or the mm-hmm. design, mm-hmm. it's for like you said before, what's your menu? Uh-huh. That menu is going to evolve uh-huh. during the process of them developing their kitchen. Let's say, uh-huh. you know, they're going to drop, add, you know, different pieces from that menu Mm -hmm. to structure it the way they want Mm -hmm. but all that has to in my opinion stay in line through the whole like it can it can go out of the lines and Mm -hmm. come back into the lines but it's ultimately got to follow the same path (sighs) because otherwise the vision gets lost and then you open a restaurant that's confused and the customers are going to come in and they're going to know they're going to feel the energy of the space Mm -hmm. in anything you go into Mm -hmm. you feel the energy of what you're eating Mm -hmm. by sitting in the something that was supposed to be painted white is now painted baby blue. You're like, why does this feel, why is the menu pizza? And it's a Mediterranean feel. Can I ask you Mm. a question? That's kind of odd. I don't know. So you've been doing this long Mm. enough that I feel like you can answer this. Can having a more beautiful space ever be to the detriment of a restaurant? A hundred percent. Why? The, the, the simplest answer for that Uh finances. Beauty costs money. Okay. Really pretty spaces uh-huh. are not cheap. Sure. So if you have them, you know, you go into a restaurant uh-huh. and you're like, why is this? Uh-huh. You're vegan. Uh-huh. This whole thing. Like we know how much it costs to create those vegan menus. It's not cheap uh-huh. for these ingredients. Uh-huh. But why is that one plate $30 when it should be 15 uh-huh. Because they have to make up for the cost of what they created. Interesting. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's really difficult to hold on to that. Uh-huh. It really is. Do you, can restaurants like scale? Say I started out with the most basic version of a restaurant. I came in, I bought plastic seats from, Mm. you know, Ikea and you know what I mean? Like I bought the worst tables. You can if you know that you're going to have to shut down. And a lot of places are like, they know if they shut down, they're losing revenue. Shut down to reopen, you mean? Yeah, to to do a minor renovation Uh or upgrade or change, they have to usually lose time. Do you think restaurants can change their clientele? Say I started out with the most bare bones things. Is it better for me to just open a new restaurant rather than sort of rejigger what I have? I think you can if you have a consistent base that hasn't died off, if that makes sense. Uh Like if you if you go into if you're trying to change that format Mm -hmm. because your restaurant's failing, Mm -hmm. you can't get new client from a restaurant that's known not to be what you want to go to, Mm -hmm. let's say. Uh So if you're if you're rolling and you're doing well, Uh I think you can 100% attract more clients. I wouldn't like say change your clientele, but like just gain clientele. If you're doing, if you're not at the point of failure, let's Uh say. Uh So I hate to say that we've come into (laughs) a certain culture, right? Where um, Instagram can be a really big part of a business plan. Actually having a dish that's beautiful. I feel like that for some reason, the food being beautiful has somehow become more important than the space being beautiful. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? God, why is that? Everything now is just so now instant. Everybody wants instant gratification. Uh-huh. I I pers- I don't get why people are always wanting to take pictures. I have a four and a half, four and a half month old baby that I don't take pictures of ever. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I'm like, I don't want to put a camera in her face. Uh-huh. 
I don't know. Um, I really don't get, I personally don't get that. Maybe it's because of my age or where I come from with things, but, um, I understand for my clients that I admittedly will design. I have to design spaces now where I'm doing Instagrammable moments in every aspect of it. So what would that every mean aspect. now? Like if you're talking about an Instagrammable moment, does that mean like a big bright background or like a... It's anything that if it's the booth you're sitting in, you're going to take a picture with your friends. What's the background of the booth? Uh-huh. The wall texture, uh-huh. the booth color. Uh-huh. Where is the neon? Like I place neon in restaurants now that I would have never before because people huh. want that moment to take that selfie uh-huh. to attract business and, you know, to the restaurant, but also look cool. Uh-huh. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. Because I also, what I try to do is design it specifically for the restaurant. So it's helping the restaurant uh-huh. gain attraction, but also, you know make those people feel like they're having fun. I, I do wonder, because I think about things like this a lot, right? Because uh, the finances of a business can be, they're finite. They have a limit. And in that, they get to choose where they allot certain things. So you're talking mm-hmm. about as a business is building out where that goes. I do wonder all the time now, are places advertising less, like using publications fewer, things like that, uh, if they are going to have more beautiful moments in their restaurant with the hopes that people will be there advertising. I as think they, so. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, it seems like it'd be good for your business. Uh, so is neon sort of the highest end of where you think people are doing things like this? Is there anything else that sort of is in that upper echelon? No, I think that's a, that is definitely a trend that's happening around the country. The neon uh-huh. thing, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. the pink neon sure. over the green wall. Uh-huh. It's that, it's like matcha magic. That's just what it is. That's I mean, I love matcha, so I'm see, not afraid of its go. magic. Exactly. Um, um, but is, I think it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a trend. It's a trend. I think there's also like the glitz and glamour trend. There's uh-huh. like, you know, the, the hotel restaurants that are just like so bougie. Uh-huh. You go in and you're like this, you know, this doesn't make sense for uh-huh. the meal I'm eating. But then how is that going to survive? It's because it's getting carried along with the other story, the hotel, you know. But... All that being said, it's like, I just don't, I don't really follow the trend. I don't really understand where it's going. I know that it's short lived. That's all that I know. But also I think a lot of people, I think now a lot of people get into restaurants with the idea that restaurants aren't longevity. Oh, interesting. Like they'll only exist for a couple of years and they're fine with that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I almost tell people like, look, if you're starting a restaurant and your budget is this, mm-hmm. if you're willing to spend, let's say 250 to $500,000 to open a new restaurant, you mm-hmm. know that you're never going to make that money back. Mm-hmm. And if you're successful for up to three years, if you, if your highest point of success is at three years, almost take those chips off the table, cash out, Unless you feel that strongly that you have a recipe that will continue to be viable. Meaning like some of Sean's places, I don't know if you've gone because of your diet, Mm -hmm. but have you gone to some of them Uh, like Jones in Hollywood or El Carmen or Swingers? Oh yeah. Okay. So those are all places I've worked with. Uh And the reason that that's successful is because he's created such a deep story with every single place. Each one has its own deep theme. Really, truly. Yeah, connected to LA in a particular way. Wow. And he started those, some are over 20 plus years. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, what's weird is swingers looked that way before Instagram was popping. Right. It's very interesting. And But they're successful because... Swingers has Andy Warhol cow prints on the wall and these beautiful booths. These like They're turquoise. Did you? (laughs) Look at that. I have the screen print in my closet. man. So many. I have the cow. Um, 
So you're walking into spaces now. You still go out to eat. How often does your jealousy button get pushed? Mm. Oh, God. Do you still th- see things? I'm not going to say who, but there's one company that pushes it. That's, that's, w- it. that's wonderful, though. I, I Don't you think that that's healthy? It it makes me not want to work. Oh, yes, what? That's- <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't yes, inspire it does. you? No, oh, it no. Doesn't. That makes me sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, ah, okay. That's very Only interesting. Because I also, like, I'm the person that I can't, I get trapped on Pinterest, for example, for clients for hours. Uh-huh. You mean with them? You're sitting no, with them? No, on and- my own. Mm. You'll try to put things together for them. Yeah, I'm working on stuff. a place in Austin right now to help friends, right? Uh-huh. They just want to help with their house. Okay. So I'm pulling moments to try to figure out what their design theory wants to be. Uh-huh. And before I know it, I've gone so far down the rabbit hole and I see so many, let's say, sofas uh-huh. on the market <laughs> that I go, I sit there and I get off and I go, well, fuck it. Oh, I'm no. just going to drink a beer. And why do I design oh, sofas? Because there's millions of them. But this is the problem with looking online. Is So when we were growing up, the only way to see beautiful things was to go to the library. Yeah. And that you'd, you'd look at it and you go, oh, there's sort of one God of this. Right. So it seems right in my heart, one God of my heart. Uh, now you can go online and you can find 30 in a in 45 minutes right it's just immediate i can find 30 sitting on the toilet flipping through instagram right right it's it's tough <laughs> it's, it, it is um it is we thought it would be an equalizer and it's a no. demoralizer but here we are and i guess my question would be this is great how do you actually do your process with this so you're talking about is pinterest a, a massive part of what you do it is a really big part yeah okay do you have can, any like or tricks in there do you do anything that you think is unique to you but could be beneficial to other people looking to use pinterest well well i i've learned now and i guess it's uh what is what would it be um i'm i'm blessed in the fact that after all these years i can stick to my own design theory Mm -hmm. and i don't have to be as malleable as i used to be Uh because people are seeking out what i do primarily because of the look I've created. Right. I was going to say, you're very much in your own thing. I yeah. don't see things that look like yours. Every I, I want to try to describe this to All people. Right. So I'm going to do my best and you tell me where I'm wrong. I want so, to know what it looks like. So to, f- to me, Derek's things often have like two large pillows. These things. So for people who are listening, who have not seen Derek, he is um, a six foot six, six, eight, six, eight person who's 240, 30. Don't be making me that big. I don't know. 220? 220. I'm really bad at this. I have no spatial relations. Um, you have to carry me when we climb. So I get it. True, it's true. Um, but so uh, Derek makes things large and I, I had always heard this thing for me. Right. I well, will tell you I that. was going to say, so I don't know if you knew this, but Frank Lloyd Wright used to build houses because he thought he was the perfect human to his size. Hmm. What the, was, do you know what his height was? He, I've heard he was, I think he's five, six. So he would build things for like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, or maybe yeah. it was like five, eight. Um, that makes sense. Cause I've worked on those houses and so they're small don't fit. Yeah, that's true. Um, but with, within that, it's sort of interesting because I feel like for a lot of people, we've moved into these as uh, people are going to movie theaters less, as people are going out less, we're spending more time at home. Mm. So people are building their furniture, buying furniture that allows them to sort of spend more time there, right? You're not buying a couch that maybe you sit on when you have people over. You're buying a couch that you probably spend four hours a night on. Um, and in the things that you're building, they seem, I have not said in them yet, I will, but uh, I hope to. Come over. Yeah, um, they're, they're these uh, sort of massive cushions um over the top of simply like simple singular wooden uh i would i mean i don't actually know woods what wood is that well like white oak white oak typically yeah and then you stain it whatever you need 
or is it do you keep no it stains. white? No stain. Wax finish. Oh, okay. Simple. See, yeah. So again, clean and reductive. Simple. Yeah. So yes. he'll do these things, and they they'll sort of imagine like a circle, and that piece touches the ground at the bottom, and then it, like on all three sides on a flat wooden piece, and then the cushions on there. Again, v- very um, uh, reductive in a really pleasant way. It's very it's very much. Again, I haven't seen it elsewhere. Um, so as you're looking at things, I guess I always read about writers or f- filmmakers who won't watch anything new. You know what I mean? They'll only read true the you know the poets from you know the 1400s or something like that. Do you you're, you're looking at Pinterest? Is it is it hard for you to stay within that sort of in your lane? Do you because you have a thing? Um, hmm. I. I it's not hard for me to stay in that lane because actually what I'm what I'm the what I feel that I'm the best at uh-huh. is understanding people's visions that they can't see. Okay. So I have I really love hearing people's stories and finding out what they like that vision they have but they can't see it. Uh-huh. That story but they don't know how to write it. Uh-huh. That's what I feel like I'm the happiest doing. And that's in designing a piece of furniture or it's uh-huh. designing a bar uh-huh. or their house or their kitchen. It's, you know, I love baking bread and I really love a good kitchen for that. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh-huh. Nice to meet you, Steve. Uh-huh. It's like I get that person a little bit more. That's what I'm happiest with. So I have no issue going into Pinterest because as long as I'm understanding, like in that original discussion with a client, uh-huh. let's just say, I'm finding out what their thing is. Who are they? A little bit about them. Uh-huh. Do you like what kind of coffee you like in the morning? Do you not drink coffee? Do you like, you know, bagel with your coffee? What is your thing? Uh-huh. All that stuff, there's a formality in it. Uh-huh. And so I have no issue going into things like Pinterest or I do so much like you. I couldn't imagine. I Do you do this? Like we, I just go into so many different design formats. It's ridiculous at what, this point. What like, do you mean by go into? I you, have the, you, my, you my bookmarks. Oh, let's okay. just say uh-huh. on my computer, yeah. it's endless in uh-huh. the amount of design. Let's look at Spanish design today. Uh-huh. Havana design. Uh-huh. Let's look at these things. It's like I have so many different links that I could just pull from all the time. I uh-huh. love satiating myself with that stuff, but uh-huh. it's my job, I guess, to understand all that stuff and not give it to you as my client. Uh-huh. If I give it to you, it's overwhelming. You want me for what? Right. You You're want the me filter. to, to uh-huh. yeah, to be your filter. You're oscillating between, yeah, yeah, understandable and unknowable. Yeah. Right. So you are. You are oscillating. You're swinging between. You're always. You're finding that balance, and you're mm-hmm. like touching that light for them all the time. Interesting. But yeah, I kind of love it. I love digging into that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, you know. But then my thing is like I. I know I look at a sofa and I know how much it costs to make. Uh-huh. I look at a table or a kitchen and I know how much it costs. So for D- me to does go that like, mean even hours of time, that sort of time, thing? Uh-huh. the material, everything. And so I look at something and I go, why would I buy you that as a designer? If I'm just your interior designer for your house uh-huh. and I want that sofa for you and it's $12,000, uh-huh. why would I buy that sofa for you? And I can make it in my shop with my guys for uh-huh. 6,000 uh-huh. and get you a deal and get you exactly what you want. Uh-huh. Unless you're stuck with the name. You want that name of that famous designer? Great. Buy that sofa. I'll get you a design trade. You get uh-huh. 10% off. There right. you go. Boom. Yeah. But yeah, does it that I go too far away from your... No, that was perfect. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. No. Uh, I have parent brain, remember? Parent yeah. brain. He does not have parent brain. He seems to know all, and I appreciate it very much. We are going to take a quick break. We will be re- right back with a little more from... 
Derek Kistner. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Mouths. Use them to speak and eat regularly. This episode is brought to you by Sunshine and Sunscreen. Both at the same time. Good, huh? Vegan, Vegan Carne, Carne Alliance. Alliance. Okay, and we're back. So, Derek, can you tell me, as you're going through things online, you're seeing things, is there anything that excites you a lot right now in the food trade? Is there anything you're hoping someone asks you to do that you want to make, spaces you want to build out? What are you... Yes. Yes. Tell me about it. You're you're way more excited than I am about that idea. I mean, right now, I really am... I would really love to work Mm -hmm. with bigger parties. Okay. Meaning, like... I have zero ego around working with more well-known designers. Uh-huh. And because I know that I can facilitate for people what their unknown vision is mm-hmm. better than anything, mm-hmm. I would love to work as like a design consultant mm-hmm. or a consultant uh-huh. as part of a, or as part of a managerial team uh-huh. with these bigger designers because mm-hmm. I would genuinely love to get into bigger projects. Not because of the money sure. or the ego or the bullshit around, uh-huh. you know, Oh, I want to be seen as a designer. Mm-hmm. It's just so that I can honestly expand my brain into places that my right. clientele limits me in. Well, you would get to work with people who are excellent in other fields yeah. and learn from them. Well, yeah, it's like I, I have a I have that. a great I have this good friend who's like this amazing. She would never say she's anything more than a project manager, but she is like this amazing design facilitator and uh-huh. she works internationally. Uh-huh. But she would say all she does is manage buying and selling or like buying sofas to put into spaces. But she does like a hundred thousand square foot offices in Manhattan for, Uh you know, stuff like that. Um, but I'm trailing. We're going to have to go back on that one. No, this is great. What the hell I'm talking about. Well, I was just asking (laughs) if you saw things online that now you want to do, if there are things where you, you want to, is there a type of space that you have not built out? Do you want to make a tapas bar? Do you want to do like boutique hotels and hotels actually? Uh What interests you in those? other than the budget which it would be i'm not worried wonderful. yeah i would love to have a budget that'd uh-huh. be great can i have a can i have a big budget <laughs> <laughs> not one that starts off at 200 and then like oh we really want to build a restaurant for forty thousand. like wait a second we just lost 160 grand yeah that's a little bit so you get chairs that's uh-huh. what you get <laughs> you'll give them good chairs that's chairs great. and tabletops that's all you get um, uh yeah i'd really like to work into hospitality stuff more just not outside of the restaurant aspect like the the comfort level of mm-hmm. hospitality and boutique esque. I wouldn't want to work on like a hundred room hotel, but that kind of thing. And I also have this I really want to get back into like earthen style, almost like falling back onto the original question you had said about ceramics. Uh-huh. Like I really want to get into earthen homes and earthen earth building. Uh-huh. That's where my Does that mean not using all really natural materials? Is that what that earthen means? Yeah, uh, like, do you know rammed earth homes or, or anything mm-hmm. in that respect? No, or, what is rammed um, earth? Rammed earth is like, for example, you go to Joshua Tree, you want to build a house out of the ground that it is in. Oh, the land itself, uh-huh. So you, like you excavate. The, uh-huh, right, so that way the heat is stays yes. in the house better. Okay, I know so a little about this. So you mix one-third concrete with, for example, the sand mm-hmm. and build your formal walls, and it would look like the ground just came up into this structure. Interesting, okay. 
yeah, so those kind of ideas is what I'm really into right now. I'm trying to figure that out. Well, so they always used to talk about how, and I think architecture in California, just like anywhere that's warm or Mediterranean, um, is different than places like the Midwest where I and you are from, and that you can often build outside and then use the outside. Do you feel like... um, It's interesting uh, you say that because you made me think of something else too with that. Tell me about it. The Midwest thing. Well, it's out here. So I've been here for 20, almost 21 years. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. It really makes me feel sad to think that the restaurants usually only last for three years. If they last longer, you're you're golden. You're locked in in L.A. But if I go back home... And I haven't been home in nine years. Uh-huh. That same coffee shop that is only selling coffee and sandwiches is uh-huh. still surviving and thriving. Uh-huh. And I, what you just made me think of is like out here because of the weather, uh-huh. nothing gets like, you can just change it. You don't, you're not beheld to the winters or the rain or anything uh-huh. that would regulate your construction. Uh-huh. You can just tear it down. Oh, and right. rebuild it uh-huh. like any, any time during the year. Yeah. Uh-huh. But those places last, I think, in other environments because hmm. people want they want that comfort. There's a lot more. I would say that, too, throughout the Midwest and even especially the East Coast. People just want that level of comfort that we don't need out here. People out here just want to be like in their tank top rollerblading at the beach, uh-huh. truthfully, uh-huh. And, you know, and which is what you and I do every week. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Speedos. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no, I don't do that. Uh, but that is something interesting. I never really thought of that. That's part of the reason why I think a lot of those places survive is because like also part of the reason I left the Midwest was like people don't want to change. They really don't. It's, they it's, like the comfort of just digging in and becoming hardened and a little more rigid. And they're just, I'm also bitter as fuck. It, it you can know happen. this, Cole, right? I'm bitter. I'm salty. No, I I'm would black, never ever coarse, say that. sea salt. Uh-huh. I might sound gingerly now, but well, I'm not. let's let's talk a little about that. So you've come to California. Do you think being in California has changed how you make spaces? Like, if you moved to the Midwest, do you think you would understand how well, to I, make a space there? Yeah, you do. Oh yeah. So well, how is California different? You were talking about people being in their tank tops. What are we? What's different here than it is elsewhere? One thing that's specifically different, I find in LA, is that this place is a grinder. It's a spice grinder. That's what I've always looked at LA as. Ooh, that's a good way to describe it. It really is. Like it's a constant huh. spice grinder, that's, meaning that it's a all, correct? That, is that what it's called? AWL? That, that all? Yeah, the oh. it's a ceramic bowl that's oh, got yeah. the stone crushing. Uh-huh. So you all we are here is salt and you're always fighting to be on the top of the salt. So you're not gr- like ground down so far that you have to leave and retreat back to home. Ouch. It's oh. true. Uh-huh. Cuz this city is a constant grind. It really is like it's it's hard to just call it home and take it easy and not have to make money to pay your rent and all the things you do here. (laughs) Whereas like, so what I've always said to people that I trained, people that have worked for me for like even clients, if you can survive here as long as I have, Mm -hmm. I feel like, okay, if I'm 44, Mm -hmm. I'm really like in dog years, I'm 80, (laughs) which would be LA years because I've been ground so many times down Mm -hmm. To where I'm ready, like crying and ready to leave the city. Mm-hmm. And then I stay mm-hmm. and I fight through the pain. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole new evolution that year of like, oh, new clients, new restaurants. People forgot about all the old shit and they want the new shit. Mm-hmm. And so you can like reinvent yourself again or mm-hmm. come back from the the depression of the finances. And mm-hmm. you can, but it's like a seven year cycle here of mm-hmm. 
you know, at three years, you're ground down to nothing and then you're rebuilding yourself. <laughs> and so, you know, I think if you lit, if you've moved from this experience mm-hmm. to somewhere that's easier, mm-hmm. you would be the big fish in the little pond again. Mm-hmm. And that's fine if you want to, you know, I've even thought about, we're talking about leaving because of the baby. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I example, like move to a small town in Texas, mm-hmm. Because of my knowledge, my expansive knowledge, like to go to a smaller, simpler market, it'd mm-hmm. be almost like, you know, wait, would it be that much easier mm-hmm. for me to just be more understanding and more knowledge than mm-hmm. most because I didn't come out of school and all I did was build row houses, <laughs> right? you know, or would it be like, would it be messing with my brain so much that I'd be like dying because I'd be bored? I'm, you know, that's not my issue, but that's something I think to answer your questions. Like, I think there's way easier markets. There's way easier cities, you know, that aren't coastal uh-huh. that aren't trying to be rosy all the time or shiny. Uh-huh. Like, you know, here you, everything's got to be shiny 24 seven. Do you think that's why the sort of your interest in earthen materials or earthen homes is I have a real, yeah, I'm like, I'm getting so far pulled. I don't, I'm getting so far pulled out of my old, stories Mm -hmm. at this point that Mm -hmm. all I want to do is simple, clean things, Mm -hmm. strong, simple, clean. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm striving for now is like something that has longevity, Mm -hmm. like with the furniture design, Mm -hmm. my frames are solid. Like the sofas or the chairs you'd be buying now. You could use them as a weapon. You could could, take them to war. They would take a, they would take a grenade. One. Well, yeah. (laughs) You know what? I've beat, I've intentionally beat my sofas up with a sledgehammer to uh-huh. see if they would break and the and they don't break. I've broken them, but you have to beat them for 20 minutes and they just break into chunks. <laughs> but, uh, I just want to build things because I'm just tired of the turn and burn. Sure. I want to build things that have longevity. That's what I'm getting back. That's what I'm really trying to say is like, I just, I, I kind of personally lust for things that are, I'm not trying to change my coffee table out every two years. Sure. Well, and with restaurants, like you said, the turnover is if you make it past three years, it's like, a godsend and yeah and in that respect too like i think what you're you're leaning towards earlier is like there's an aspect of designing a restaurant that you don't need to be spending 200 like this exorbitant amount of money for a simple basic menu hmm. but you know you have to it's hard for people to stay small mind like stay simple mm-hmm. minded if they want to like they're creating something simple people opening a restaurant for the most part in my opinion you're if you're opening and you're choosing to do something that's from a genuine place like you're coming at it with purity right mm-hmm. simple purity easy mind you're not overcomplicating things you just want to make happy food for people like you want to <laughs> stay happy with what you've created and people like your product and that's the storyline you should continue on don't try to overcomplicate it to make it like i think there's a place father's daughter or mm-hmm. something in on Abbott Kinney. I can't Uh remember. It was across from this place that I worked on and it's so pretty and bougie and nice. And like they dropped in and out of their, you know, out of staying open because they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars just to make it pretty. Mm -hmm. But because that was somebody that was like not even a chef or an owner, they just said like, this is a great block to open a restaurant on. I have no form like formal education in a, in a restaurant or being a chef. Uh Let's find a chef. Oh, and let's find a GM and let's find all this stuff, which is kind of the, what everybody does. Uh-huh. But I'm saying if you're coming at it from a place of like you, Cole, like to, you're a vegan chef uh-huh. and you like to, cre- you have this thing that you've created. Uh-huh. That's your story. 
like follow through on that, keep it simple, keep it clean, come at it from a place of like good heart as opposed to like, unfortunately, everybody's coming at it from money. You know, like a lot of people are wanting to, why would you kind of want to open a restaurant if you don't also make money? So it's kind of like finding that balance of like, yes, I want to sustain. I want to be, I want to come become viable. I want to have, I want to make money. I want to be profitable. I want my family to succeed, but also stay true to your story. Does that make sense? Oh, I'm so salty. It makes a lot of sense. I'm sad inside. Not at all. Derek, it has been wonderful (laughs) having you here today. I, I, I mean, I'm, I really appreciate I'm everything that you told that us. I'm sad inside, by the way. No, it's, I'm he, happy. He's happy. He's, he's happy, and you know it. Mm. Come and talk on the podcast. <laughs> um, so, for everyone listening at home, uh, I hope you all appreciated this conversation as much as I did. You can find Derek online at Ink and Wood on Instagram. Is there anywhere else people should look to find your things? Uh, just Facebook and and the basics. Mm-hmm. Like we have the website, which is Ink and Wood, all spelled out. Mm-hmm. At Squarespace. At Squarespace. Yeah. So inkandwood.squarespace.com. Great. Yeah. Go online. Check out those beautiful things. Um, If you enjoyed this episode of Vegan Carne Alliance, this thing happens because people share it and give it to friends and rate it. So please rate it to help people find it and tell a friend if you enjoyed it. Uh, You can find us online at Vegan Carne Alliance on Instagram or vegancarnealliance.com. I want to thank you all for joining us and we will... Be with you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Vegan Carne Alliance. Vegan Carne Alliance. Vegan Carne Alliance.